It's Chip and Eric, your best friend. It's you, Deanne. You're my best friend. What's oh, up? Deanne, Deanne, Deanne. Today is the day. Today Allison the day. always calls it Let's Quiticus. Always. I've never actually heard her say the word Leviticus. She only says Let's Quiticus. And today, we will Quiticus this book. We will finish it's over. it. Yes. yes. Hey, everybody. This is Deanne. Um, oh, I guess also welcome back to Chip and Eric and Friends, reading through the Bible. Um, yeah, Deanne. Deanne works with me, or I work with her, actually, because you've been here a lot longer than me, at O'Leary Christian School, where she is vice admiral. And was that right? Did I get it right that time? No. It was close, though. Okay. It was close. It was close. And uh, so as I was looking for people to be on the podcast this year, I was looking for <clears throat> preferably people who have listened to the podcast, which Deanne listens every day, which is amazing, and has been since the fall. You did the New Testament challenge last year. You've been yes. on. I love that. And who've displayed Christian leadership. And that is Deanne. So thank you for being here. Glad you're here. I know you're nervous. It's going to be awesome, though. Like, it's going to be good. Or it's going to be terrible. And who cares? <laughs> right? Like, yeah, it's sure. fine. No one's ever going to hear it. We're all going to hear it. Oh, a visitor. And Mrs. Redenbaugh's here, too, for our Bible reading podcast. It's amazing. Uh, another person that I would have on, for sure. Okay. Are you ready to read? I'm, I'm sure ready. Yes. Do you want to go first or second? Whatever you would okay, like. Okay, I'll go first. I always do. Okay. Leviticus chapter 26, blessings for obedience. Do not make idols or set up carved images or sacred pillars or sculptured stones in your land so you may worship them. I am the Lord your God. You must keep my Sabbath days of rest and show reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you the seasonal rains. The land will then yield its crops and the trees of the field will produce their fruit. Your threshing season will overlap with the grape harvest and your grape harvest will overlap with the season of planting grain. <clears throat> Excuse me. You will eat your fill and live securely in your own land. I will give you peace in the land and you'll be able to sleep with no cause for fear. I will rid the land of wild animals and keep your enemies out of your land. In fact, you'll chase down your enemies and slaughter them with your swords. Five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000. All your enemies will fall beneath your sword. I will look favorably upon you, making you fertile and multiplying your people. And I will fulfill my covenant with you. You will have such a surplus of crops that you will never, that you will need to clear out the old grain to make room for the new harvest. I will live among you and I will not despise you. I will walk among you. I will be your God and you will be my people. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt so you would no longer be their slaves. I broke the yoke of slavery from your neck so you can walk with your heads held high. Punishments for disobedience. <clears throat> However, if you do not listen to me or obey all these commands, and if you break my covenant by rejecting my decrees, treating my regulations with contempt and refusing to obey my commands, I will punish you. I will bring sudden terrors upon you wasting diseases and burning fevers that will cause your eyes to fail and your life to ebb away. You will plant your crops in vain because your enemies will eat them. I will turn against you and you will be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you will rule over you and you will run even when no one is chasing you. And if, in spite of all of this, you still disobey me, I will punish you seven times over for your sins. I will break your proud spirit by making the skies as unyielding as iron and the earth as hard as bronze. All your work will be for nothing, for your land will yield no crops and your trees will bear no fruit. 
If even then you remain hostile toward me and refuse to obey me, I will inflict disaster on you seven times over for your sins. I will send wild animals that will rob you of your children and destroy your livestock. Your numbers will dwindle and your roads will be deserted. And if you fail to learn the lesson and continue your hostility toward me, then I myself will be hostile toward you. I will personally strike you with calamity seven times over for your sins. I will send armies against you to carry out the curse of the covenant you have broken. When you run to your towns for safety, I will send a plague to destroy you there, and you will be handed over to your enemies. I will destroy your food supply so that 10 women will need only one oven to bake bread for their families. Mm. They will ration your food by weight, and though you have food to eat, you will not be satisfied. If in spite of all of this, you still refuse to listen and still remain hostile toward me, then I will give full vent to my hostility. I myself will punish you seven times over for your sins. Then you will eat the flesh of your own sons and daughters. I will destroy your pagan shrines and knock down your places of worship. I will leave your lifeless, lifeless corpses piled on top of your lifeless idols, and I will despise you. I will make your cities desolate and destroy your places of pagan worship. I will take no pleasure in your offerings that should be a pleasing aroma to me. Yes, I myself will devastate your land and your enemies who come to occupy it will be appalled at what they see. I will scatter you among the nations and bring out my sword against you. Your land will become desolate and your cities will lie in ruins. Then at last, the land will enjoy its neglected Sabbath years as it lies desolate while you are in the land, while you are in exile in the land of your enemies. Then the land will finally rest and enjoy the Sabbaths it missed. As long as the land lies in ruins, it will enjoy the rest you never allowed it to take every seventh year while you lived in it. And for those of you who survive, I will demoralize you in the land of your enemies. You will live in such fear that the sound of a leaf driven by the wind will send you fleeing. You will run as though fleeing from a sword, and you will fall even when no one pursues you. Though no one is chasing you, you will stumble over each other as though fleeing from a sword. You will have no power to stand up against your enemies. You will die among the foreign nations and be devoured in the land of your enemies. Those of you who survive will waste away in your enemies' lands because of their sins and the sins of their ancestors. But at last, my people will confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors for betraying me and being hostile toward me. When I have turned their hostility back on them and brought them to the land of their enemies, brought them to the land of their enemies, then at last their stubborn hearts will be humbled and they will pay for their sins. Then I will remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. For the land must be abandoned to enjoy its years of Sabbath rest as it lies deserted. At last, the people will pay for their sins, for they have continually rejected my regulations and despised my decrees. But despite all this, I will not utterly reject or despise them while they are in exile in the land of their enemies. I will not cancel my covenant with them by wiping them out, for I am the Lord their God. For their sakes, I will remember my ancient covenant with their ancestors, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of all the nations, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. These are the decrees, regulations, and instructions that the Lord gave through Moses on Mount Sinai as evidence of the relationship between himself and the Israelites. Leviticus chapter 27. Redemption of gifts offered to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If anyone makes a special vow to dedicate someone to the Lord by paying the value of that person, here is the scale of values to be used. A man between the ages of 20 and 60 is valued at 50 shekels of silver, as measured by the sanctuary shekel. A woman of that age is valued at 30 shekels of silver. A boy between the ages of 5 and 20 is valued at 20 shekels of silver. 
a girl of that age is valued at 10 shekels of silver. A boy between the ages of one month and five years is valued at five shekels of silver. A girl of that age is valued at three shekels of silver. A man older than 60 is valued at 15 shekels of silver. A woman of that age is valued at 10 shekels of silver. If you desire to make such a vowel but cannot afford to pay the required amount, take the person to the priest. He will determine the amount for you to pay based on what you can afford. If your vow involves giving an animal that is acceptable as an offering to the Lord, any gift to the Lord will be considered holy. You may not exchange or substitute it for another animal, neither a good animal for a bad one nor a bad animal for a good one. But if you do exchange one animal for another, then both the original animal and its substitute will be considered holy. If your vow involves an unclean animal, one that is not acceptable as an offering to the Lord, then you must bring the animal to the priest. He will assess its value, and his assessment will be final, whether high or low. Mm. If you want to buy back the animal, you must pay the value set by the priest, plus 20%. If someone dedicates a house to the Lord, the priest will come to assess its value. The priest's assessment will be final, whether high or low. If the person who dedicated the house wants to buy it back, he must pay the value set by the priest, plus 20%. Then the house will again be his. If someone dedicates to the Lord a piece of his family property, its value will be assessed according to the amount of seed required to plant it, 50 shekels of silver for a field planted with five bushels of barley seed. If the field is dedicated to the Lord in the year of Jubilee, then the entire assessment will apply. But if the field is dedicated after the year of Jubilee, the priest will assess the land's value in proportion to the number of years left until the next year of Jubilee. Its assessed value is reduced each year. If the person who dedicated the field wants to buy it back, he must pay the value set by the priest plus 20%. Then the field will again be legally his. But if he does not want to buy it back and it is sold to someone else, the field can no longer be bought back. When the field is released in the year of Jubilee, it will be holy, a field specially set apart for the Lord. It will become the property of the priests. If someone dedicates to the Lord a field he has purchased, but which is not part of his family property, the priest will assess its value based on the number of years left until the next year of Jubilee. On that day, he must give the assessed value of the land as a sacred donation to the Lord. In the year of Jubilee, the field must be returned to the person from whom he purchased it, the one who inherited, inherited it as a family property. All the payments must be measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel, which equals 20 geras. You must not dedicate a firstborn animal to the Lord for the firstborn of your cattle sheep, goats, cattle, sheep and goats already belong to him. However, you may buy back the firstborn of a ceremonially unclean animal by paying back the priest's assessment of its worth plus 20%. If you do not buy it back, the priest will sell it at its assessed value. However, anything specially set apart for the Lord, whether a person, an animal, or family property, must never be sold or bought back. Anything devoted in this way has been set apart as holy, and it belongs to the Lord. No person specially set apart for destruction may be bought back. Such a person must be put to death. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. If you want to buy back the Lord's tenth of grain or fruit, you must pay its value plus 20%. Count off every tenth animal from your herds and flocks and set them apart for the Lord as holy. You may not pick and choose between good and bad animals, and you must not substitute one for another. But if you do exchange one animal for another, then both the original animal and its substitute will be considered holy and cannot be bought back. These are the commands that the Lord gave through Moses on Mount Sinai for the Israelites.
All right, now we'll go over to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to be reading Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 23. Christ's sacrifice once for all. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped, for the worshipers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why, when Christ came into the world, he said to God, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, Look, I have come to do your will, O God, as is written about me in the scriptures. First, Christ said, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they are required by the law of Moses. Then he said, Look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. And the Holy Scripture also testifies that this is so. For he says, This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. A call to persevere. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. And, and that, that is, is our reading, reading today. today. You did awesome, man. Okay, that was really good. And we, oh man, this, this Hebrews 10 is the reason I put Leviticus and Hebrews together. Like this just summarized how all of the, I mean, this is kind of bad. All of what we're reading in Leviticus is, is an obsolete system because of Jesus. Like this passage is why I put them together. Like he's the high priest, he's a sacrifice. I just love it. Okay, so we read all that. I'm nerding out and I will, I will try to control myself. We read all that with two questions in mind. Uh, how does this make me love God more or better? How does this help me love others more or better? And so, Deanne, which one do you want to answer? I think I'm going to take God. Okay. Um, as you already said, the two correlate so well, and we've talked so much about the laws that were given in Leviticus mm -hmm. and um, 
following those laws, but yet none of that, none of the bloodshed, none of those sacrifices was enough until Jesus sacrificed. Right. And so I just think of the fact of being a mom and, you know, your love for your son and everything. And just, I have to love God more because he gave up his son mm -hmm. so that we would not have to have those sacrifices. Yeah. And that's just, that's just huge. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. There's no way to wrap your head around it even. No, I can't comprehend. Yeah. <laughs> that's absolutely amazing. You know, one thing I really love, and this kind of builds on that. I did a word study a few years back of, of forgiveness. And I did this word study and I was looking at the um, Hebrew word for forgiveness. So when, when God forgives sins based on these sacrifices, um, and it really means forbearance. So like, almost like a deferred payment. Isn't that crazy? So like, wow. and then in the New Testament, when we read forgiveness, it means an erased debt. So like the, even the concept of God forgiving just meant, okay, I'm going to forgive you for now until the next payment, until the next payment, until the next payment, all the way down to, like you said, and the scripture said today, Jesus. And then it's an erased debt. And I just love that. I had never noticed that before. I never saw that before. And I was just doing a really deep dive into it. And it really does just help you understand, man, all those, like all those animals, I'm talking millions yeah. of, I mean, so like the author of Hebrews says it, they had to offer these animals day after day after day again and again. And the blood is just flowing. Like that had to be a miserable job. Well, and the priest that had to always. Yeah. Yeah take all of that or yeah. consider clean, unclean. That I mean, priest had a huge job. And he was just drenched in blood all day long, <laughs> you know? So yeah. And then like you said, God looks down and he says, okay, yeah, I give you a system for forbearance. Now I'm going to give you a system for forgiveness. It's going to cost me a lot, but I'm going to do it because I love you. And yeah, reciprocating that love is yeah, spot on. Okay. How does this help me love others more? Look, this um, Leviticus 26 really summarizes what we would call the like, okay, so in every covenant, you've got this preamble, which says who's involved. You've got a historical prologue, which says why people are involved. So God will say, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of, of Egypt. That's the, the historical prologue. Since God brought them out of Egypt, now he gets to have a covenant. Number three is stipulations. And the stipulations of the Mosaic covenant are the law. Follow all my decrees. That's, you want to be in the covenant, follow my decrees. And then four and five are blessings and curses of the covenant. So blessings, if you follow me, curses, if you don't. And that is what we just read in Leviticus chapter 26. It takes, though, God does not sign a covenant with Moses. God signs a covenant with Israel. And so it takes all of the people of Israel to, to either accept and fulfill and keep that covenant or to reject and move away from that covenant. And, you know, right now at our church, at Harvest Church, Deanne's also a Harvest Church person, um, we're talking about the exile. And the exile to Babylon is the ultimate fulfillment of what happens when they reject God over and over and over. And we read about, okay, and then if you still don't listen and you still don't listen, and that sort of um, societal or moral decay can't be brought on by one person. It's one person, and then it's two people, and then it's four people, and then it's eight people. And I think I can love my neighbor 
You know, I can love others better and more if I stand firm in what God has called me to do and what I know is right and what I know is true. And if I say, I'm going to be the little boy with his finger in the dam, or I'm going to sandbag here and I'm not going to let the floodwaters rise, I'm not going to do it. I'm never going to give in. If I can find that resolve within myself, then suddenly there might just be a break where the next line doesn't have so many people and we can stand together. You know, that, that next line doesn't collapse and collapse and collapse like what happened in uh, Israel and then Judah and then what happens so often today even in churches. You know, and the author of Hebrews warns against that too in some places where he says, hey, like once you go down that road, there's no coming back. Like you're, you're way out there. Like you're kind of on your own. So I just think, hey, how can I love others better? I can love others better and more by standing firm and doing the things that I know God has for me to do. That's awesome. And inspiring the next person to do the same thing. And we are done with Leviticus, Dean. Woohoo. And let me tell you, numbers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woohoo. Numbers. Everyone's going to go, man, I miss Litzquiticus, which is what, I don't know if I've mentioned this before. That's what Allison always calls it. You yeah. did mention that. Oh, I've mentioned beginning. it. Okay. All right. Good. Mm -hmm. Good. Hey, big shout out to Andrew, your son, and Grant, your other son. Okay. They listen with you or, or on their own if they have to. Yes. All the time. Yes. And I think that that kind of discipline and dedication deserves a shout out. So bravo, boys. And bravo to you, mom, for being a spiritual leader. It's great. And bravo to all of you on your however many days this is. I don't even know. Did you say day 49? Yeah. Cool. Then on your 49th day of the year, potentially. <laughs> there you go. Oh, my goodness. I never know what day it is. But... Uh, we're really proud of you. Deanna's is really proud of you. Yes. Um, she, if you make her macaroni art, she will hang it on her fridge because she's very proud of you. Yeah. Sure. She's nodding, so that means yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely means yes. Deanne, thank you for putting up with me day after day, and also on this podcast. And then you go home and you have to listen to me, which is like the worst. You start your day and then end your day having to deal with me, and I appreciate it. It's good. That's okay. It's always great when I start my day with a hug from Micah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Micah, I, I don't know if I'm spoiling something. Micah will show up on the show if he hasn't already. So, Ooh. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Pretty cool. So, all right, everyone. We're going to go. Deanne, give him some wisdom. <laughs> That's good. Just a good hearty <laughs> laugh. <laughs>